0: monetization solution for vr and ar monetization solution for
1: vr and ar monetization solution for vr and ar i won't forget that now i promise you <laughs> no problem <laughs> Okay, so one more time, monetization solution for VR and AR. Okay, so uh, I guess I'm going to hit, I'm already hitting record, so I'm just going to go three, two, one. You are now listening to the n vr podcast. I'm Chris Miranda, your host. And today I'm joined by Sam Huber. He's the founder and CEO of AdMix, a monetization, oh my God, I rehearsed it (laughs) so many times. (laughs)
0: Platform. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's, so it's a, it's a monetization platform for in virtual reality and augmented reality platforms, um, mediums. That's uh, it. And Sam, thanks so much for coming on the show. How are you? Hey, doing well, Chris. Thanks for having me. Okay, so cool. Let's, uh, let's dive deep into this. What is AdMix? How does it work?
0: Sure. So we um, realized very early on, about uh, 18 months ago, that, you know, a lot of VR and AR content was going to be created over the next couple of years, uh, but today the developers, the content creators, have very little option to generate revenue from from this content. And you know, we thought we need to find uh, to build a platform that enables them to to generate revenue from it. Um, we know that advertising, of course, is you know a prime Choice of business model for uh, content. Most people expect content to be free. We've seen that happening on mobile. This is not going to be any different from VR for VR and AR. Um, but that doesn't mean that the way that advertising currently works is done the right way. So you know we are basically taking the existing rules of advertising completely apart and building a platform um, where advertising works well for XR. Meaning that. That works well for um, a, a universe where the screen doesn't exist anymore. Uh, and that really redefined really the rules of you know not only the way that we create and consume content, but also the way that we monetize it.
1: Very cool. And so how I'm sort of curious, curious to know more about how advertising developed during the mobile era, and even till this day, and and I want to know if there's components. Of how it happened that parallel what's happening today with VR, AR, XR. Um, or, and then if there are components that are not you know, parallel with what's happening with ER, VR, AR, um, and XR. So, so yeah, tell me more about how
0: mobile advertising happened. Yeah, I mean, at the time uh, there was a lot of companies already monetizing the desktop, right? Like double click, for example. Um, and you know, a lot of them kind of thought that oh, mobile is this nice little device on the side, but there's not many people using it, and so they continued monetizing the desktop. And then a couple of players actually thought, you know what, we are going to focus entirely on mobile because it's not going to be as simple as saying, okay, we have a, b- a banner. Uh, that we put on a desktop. It's not as simple as resizing it for the mobile, right? You need to do, you need to do ads in a way that is native for each device. Um, and, and so, you know, some players like AdMob, for example, really focused on mobile inventory, and eventually they managed to corner most of the mobile developers at the time. Uh, I think after three years in 2009, just before they got acquired, they had like 40% of all the mobile traffic in the US, or something like that, Some, something crazy along those lines. Um, and the reason why is because they were giving the mobile developers the tools that they needed. It was not just okay, let's port this, you know, banners, these pop-ups on mobile, but let's let's build something bespoke that delivers the best results for the advertisers, but also for the developers. And so we're taking the exact same approach here. Uh, But as you can imagine, the transition from mobile to VR and AR is, you know, even a bigger gap than desktop to mobile. So we're literally rethinking everything, um, mostly in terms of the interface and how the ads are actually going to appear in the experience. Um, And one way that we think would be the best way is what we call product placement. So the idea is instead of thinking of the content on one end, and then when you're done developing your game, you slap some ads on top. It's how can you really try to integrate the ads as part of the content so that it feels completely native, um, but also part of the story. It makes sense. It's relevant. Um, so you know you can imagine, right? Um, the typical example that we give is a can of Coke on the table. Uh, If you're in social VR, you're talking to your friend, uh, it just makes sense, you know, to have like drinks on the table and they can be branded. But you can imagine that, you know, every element around you in the real life is is branded. And that's kind of the vision that we're working towards. If a a developer wants to create a social VR experience and they need a desk or table. So one way to do it is to design the desk. One other way that we can see this working is tapping into a database of branded products and use a desk that has already been built by IKEA and just drag and drop it into your experience, which would be the same type of desk and it will be there and people can, you know, sit around it and all of that. But it, it turns into an ad, in turn into a product placement. And so we think that VR and also AR, of course. Because this new geometry, because of the fact that you fully immerse into the content, uh, they really give us the opportunity to build a better future where advertising will be all around us, but will never interrupt. Because that's the main problem. People hate to be interrupted, right? The problem is not about, you know, advertising. If you think about out-of-home advertising in the street, you know, you have the banners and you can choose to look at them or not, but they don't interrupt you and they don't really change your, your, your flow. Um, and so we think that you know we will be able to build something similar for uh, for virtual and augmented reality, which will bring more results for the developers without impacting the quality of their of their content.
1: Having worked um, previously with uh, advertising tools on social media, I um I have a I have a question, and so my question to you is um so so if 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 advertising is better um, for admix. When it's not um, disturbing or taking away the uh, the attention of the of the user or the person, right? Then, then is adver- is this advertising really effective? Isn't the whole point of advertising is for you to be stopped dead in your tracks and buy my product? Like, you know, why? How, so, so you sort of see what I'm saying here? Like, there's this um, sort of weird thing where like dualism here i think where like um you want we you want to provide consumers with non-intrusive ads but you want to provide but the but it's against that that tug and pull of the advertiser that wants to create ads that completely stop you on your feet you know like draw, you know you're, you can't
0: take your attention off of how do you balance that out Sure. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a great question, and I think if you look at the history of advertising, we really started uh, with a very creative type of advertising. You know, like the the Mad Men era. At the time, it was all about awareness and all about making the brand top of mind, so that you know you see McDonald's on your way to work, you see it, you see it in the paper, you see it on the TV. So basically, the next time you're hungry, you think of them first. That's kind of the idea that advertising was initially. Build, build upon. Um and then with the web, with um, you know, the, the 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 internet, um, advertising moved into a more of a performance marketing, which means it's not only about awareness, it's about making them take action now, call to action, buy this now. Um and I think that with that we of course reach, you know, higher level of performance. But we that's also how we created this terrible experience. Uh, because the ads there's no more creativity anymore. It's all about, you know, optimizing the CTR and what's the CPM and how much conversion can we get. And I think at the end of the day, if you don't think about the customers, the end users, and create a terrible experience, they're going to hate it. And we see the problem that it has caused, right? The the way that, um, you know, we've basically become blind to advertising, which is why we have to put more and more ads to compensate for that. Um, so... To answer your question, I think that by being more creative and creating creating an experience that users can choose to engage with or not, right, it will still be clear that you know this is this this product here, this Nike shoe um, that your avatar is wearing is actually an ad. If you look at it long enough, that can trigger a micro experience where you can see more of the product, potentially buy it directly from the VR experience. But at the end of the day, if you don't want to interact with it, um, you're not going to be stopped by it. So we really think that, you know, giving that user, the user the choice uh, as to how much they want to engage with the product, just like how much they want to engage with any part of the game uh, actually makes sense. And it's going to be down to the advertiser and also the content owner to place that product in a way that is efficient, but doesn't interrupt the flow.
1: Can you talk a,
0: a bit more about the technology behind AdMix? How does it work? Yeah, sure. So um, it's basically split into three main modules. So we have an interface with um, a, a plugin for Unity and Unreal um, that basically is the is the interface with which, as a developer, um, you would place the you would place the ads in your content. So we have a, a simple interface in Unity, and you basically say, okay, I want a billboard on this wall. I want a video playing on my screen. I want a three D. Uh, element here on this table uh, and i want this car over there to be branded right so you just drag and drop and overlay uh, basically our our scripts um, or placeholders on top of your existing content and then um, you able to validate those placements publish your app and then you can manage everything from our developer platform which is a web platform and that's basically where all the magic happens so what you're able to say is okay this banner here that i had created I want this to be about sports. And the subcategory is soccer because my experience, my VR world, is about that as well. So I want the ads to be relevant and contextual. Um, and from that platform, you can also you know, um, hide specific ads if you want. Um, so you're very, really able to manage your entire inventory without having to republish your app every single time. And that makes a big difference because we know that, um, developers are very busy um, you know, advertising is something that they just want it to work they want it to be fast so the integration happens once and then you can manage everything directly from the web so that's just the front end pretty much all the core of our technology is how we're then able to connect those spaces that have been created in the content to hundreds of advertisers, thousands of advertisers um, and the way we do this is we're actually the first and only programmatic solution um, last week, actually, I was at Cannes Lions, this festival of creativity in the south of France. Uh, and we've been announced as partner with uh, Oath, which is Yahoo and AOL. They have literally hundreds of thousands of advertisers. And now they're getting into VR. And they're using AdMix to uh, be able to access VR and AR inventory. Um, and so, you know, we, we plug into an existing network of advertisers through Yahoo, through AOL. Um, And that means that hundreds of brands that normally advertise on the web or on mobile run, you know, display campaign, video campaign, now have a third option after mobile and and the web. They have VR and AR for the very first time. And the reason why it's so exciting is because if you think from a purely a business model standpoint, this is going to infuse a lot of, you know, advertising dollars into VR and AR. So it's going to help. The developers who right now are struggling to make money from this content to generate more revenue and then they can reinvest that to build more content so it's really kind of the first i would say the first two weeks the first month where we really see uh, as the start of a repeatable business model for content creators in vr and as you know our mission is really helping vr and ar developers be successful we are not You know, we don't consider ourselves as an advertising company, but we say we have a monetization solution. So that means we're on the side of the developers. We have VR, AR first and ad seconds. But we understand how important it is that there's this economy that is starting to build. And the fact that we're programmatic, we connect to thousands of advertisers instead of being an agency going to each advertiser individually is, is really what makes our solution so special.
1: Interesting. You know, I I had this image in my mind um, and I don't know if it's very, um, it's, 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 it's the most uh, truthful. I think, I think the image in my mind came up of VR developers becoming like NASCAR drivers where they have all this getup of advertising all over and they're have, they're driving a car that's full of advertising. (laughs) And so it reminds me of like VR developers turning into like sponsored I mean, if we can grow in the, the
0: industry as, <laughs> as successfully as what NASCAR did. Um, but no, I mean, the idea, again, is by, by giving the tools for the developers themselves to say, okay, this is my game. This is my app. Here is where I want to place ads, right? The developers themselves are doing that. It's not the advertisers that has – the advertisers are basically no – no flexibility as to where they want the ads to be. That's purely the developer's job. And what it creates is we know that developers want to generate revenue, but not at the expense of maintaining the experience, right? So they will never place too much ads in their experience or the ones who do because they just want to, you know, um, try to generate a, a, a quick, uh, g- quick revenue without caring about the users, well, no one's going to use the app anymore. So it's going to self-regulate in a way. Um, and I think, you know, we will probably not reach the level of the NASCAR uh, drivers that have plastered with brands. But um, yeah, to some extent, that's the idea. We want to be able to place contextual and relevant brands within the experience where the audience might, might consume. Interesting.
1: So, so let's say, and actually, I am actually working on. Um, I've been spending the last past month um, uh, stuck in my basement working on C sharp. Um, I don't live in a basement, Uh, working on C-Sharp and teaching me, teaching myself unity. And I developed my own little game um, with my friend John called American Ninja Warrior Gladiators. Um, And it's a mix of those two game shows that you used to watch uh, back in the day, American Gladiators and American Ninja Warrior in VR. And so let's say I have. No idea what I'm doing, um, but I want to figure out a way to make a quick buck. Is this something for me or who is this for? Like when when we're talking about like putting ads in VR, is this for just any person who wants to like, you know, uh, who has a product, who has something, I'm MVP and, and and can mock it up and put it out there? Or is this for already established companies, developers that are already working with PlayStation, who are already working with HTC? Who is this for?
0: It's for literally everyone that has some VR content and wants not only to have a nice product, but also make a, have a business out of it and generate revenue. Now, of course, this is advertising, right? So it's a direct. the, the revenue that you get is a direct function of how many users you have. And in the future, we definitely want to help with that part of the marketing as well. Um, so, you know, actually most of the apps, we have over 205 apps at the moment, uh, that are signed up to a solution. Uh, most of those guys are very small indie developers, studios, two, three, four, five people, um, that, you know, don't have a huge audience, but with the little revenue that they're able to generate from it, they can, they can keep going. And I think that's what's most exciting for us. You know, the, the industry is so early that we really turning no one away because we think that you know a a talented developer that is developing a really cool game that could become the candy crush of tomorrow no one knows the industry is not consolidated at all yet no one knows what a year or two years from now what most people would be consuming in terms of content so we're really saying you know if you have a a a large uh, studio um, we can help you integrate of course you know we can provide some support but if you're a single developer and you just want to make you know $1,000 a month because that covers your expenses and that's what you want to do and you're happy developing, then it's for you as well. Um, And the beauty of our solution is, again, because the developer themselves decide, okay, here I want to place a banner, here I want to place a 3D item, and you can also conceptualize your game with that in mind, saying, okay, you know, this is, I don't know, a virtual meeting room. Well, I'm going to add a TV here because I'm going to be able to place an ad every time someone comes here. Every time I have a virtual meeting, I can play a the background that would generate me revenue, um, and so you know that's that's really who it is for. Um, Very cool. And
1: so, what are some of the expectations that one should have going into this? If 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 someone is inclined, so inclined and interested to join, um, what are what's what's sort of like an average um, earnings or revenue for the average developer on the platform?
0: It really depends on um, you know how many users they have and the retention of those users so the best metrics that you know you can give me if you want an if you want an estimate is how many hours per month of gameplay do, does your game uh, have um so i have an example in mind uh i can't name them but uh, uh a game that has i think let me just find out is 6600 users so you know okay um 12000 hours of gameplay per month so that's that's a big ratio right it's like two hours per user per month almost Um, and so on average they would generate close to six thousand five hundred dollars per month so you know not huge but they're a small team four or five people um, and that's enough that's enough to show traction uh, potentially get investment reinvest that into the next game Uh, but that's you know that's a game that has massive engagement um, so the, of course the more users you have the longer they are in the experience the more ads you can serve and because you pay per impression you get paid per impression every time someone actually looks at the ad um, You want to you want to make sure that those metrics are you know as high as possible
1: How do you calculate how much an ad
0: is worth in virtual reality? So for that we uh, actually rely on our mostly our, our partners um, Which is Yahoo and AOL so on the on the buying side? Um, you know, we plug into an existing ecosystem and we are the only solution that works on a real-time bidding. That means that multiple advertisers actually compete to display their ad in in, in your in your inventory, in the places that you've created. Um, and so the, they, the higher they bid, uh, the more likely they are to get to display their ad. Uh, on top of that, we're adding a minimum as well um, just to make sure that, you know, because it's a new medium, uh, the inventory is still fairly limited. We want to make sure that we get we get good rates for our developers. So at the moment, it's it's supply and demand, but also artificially high uh, simply because we put a minimum and saying if you bid lower than this value, uh, you won't get to display your ad.
1: Is VR is v is advertising in VR more effective than in real life, or you know how do you are are you able to come up with um, calculations or estimations? Um, to that allude to this uh, hypothesis that maybe a, a user watching an ad in VR over and over again with good product placement is more effective than you know a commercial on the two D plane that is
0: uh, more easily ignored. You know, what do you think? Sure. Yeah. I mean, from the very beginning, you know, one of the reasons why we I started this project is because I really think that that immersion that you create and the fact that the the, the ads are hyper-contextual, hyper-relevant to the content, um, that is really going to drive um, the engagement. And so far, I mean, it obviously still early, but the measurement that we have, I mean, the metrics that we're measuring, like engagement, meaning how many people actively engage with an ad. So if you imagine you put them in a virtual room, there's this banner this video on the wall, um, and, you know, there's no call to action. They, they're free to look wherever they want. Uh, but we actually measure how many of those users are spending more than a certain amount of time, in this case, 1.5 seconds, actively looking at displacement. And we know this because we can track um, the, the center of the field of view, right? So no, not eye tracking, but what we call gaze tracking. Um, and the results were just tremendous. You know, it's uh, I think it was 25% engagement. I mean, 25% of these users saw this video in the background on a screen, and they actively looked at it, um, and now if you compare with the web, I think the engagement rate on in overall for um, display ads or pre-roll is like a couple percent, two or three percent. Um, most people, you know, skip the pre-roll as soon as they can on YouTube, for example. Uh, if you're talking about a banner ad, I mean, when's the last time you actually stop scrolling through your Forbes article to look at the banner on the side? That doesn't happen. We we completely blind. To this type of ads they're they're interrupting our flow they're competing with the content you know you have your article on one side of the screen you have your ads on the other it's two different things the interest of the advertisers and your interest and the interest of the publishers on the web are three different things and what we're trying to do is to say If we actually work together and if the interests of the advertisers are the same as the interests of the users because they're discovering content and as they are discovering this new world, they also discover the product placement, then I think it becomes more interesting and we're all working towards the same goal. Um, So, you know, the early measurements are very, very satisfying. Um, Now we are working towards more of a conversion model. So if you see that Nike shoe uh, in VR or in AR, for that matter, you would be able not only to look at it, but also to manipulate it, um, to you know eventually try it on or even buy it directly from the experience. So we'd move from a purely an impression model to a model where you can actually get to buy or experience the product. And I think that's when really the brands are going to be like, okay, this is not purely awareness. It's not purely display. You can actually go through all the way through the purchase. So it actually brings the best part of display and Out-of-home advertising, which is this nice awareness campaign um, to help the brand you know, become top of mind and you remember because it has a really great messaging, but it also brings the performance side of advertising, which is, okay, if you like it, now you can actually buy it immediately without leaving the experience, and I think that's a very, very powerful model.
1: Are you planning to or are you currently using machine learning to comb through the aggregated data of all the different people looking at the different – all the different people in all the different instances looking at Nike shoes in all the different ways? Is this something
0: that you guys are working on or planning to work on? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So just I just want to make it clear that of course all this data is, you know, gaze data is anonymous, it's just aggregated and we only look at trends. Uh so we would never be able to identify, you know, who who is looking at what and then using that information to retarget them somewhere on the web or something like that. I mean, in theory we could, uh but you know, we very much uh very much think that uh, personal data, especially that very behavioral type of data um, shouldn't really be shared. So we're not messing with that too much. Um, however, yes, in terms of trying to optimize the placement, for example, and trying to really understand um, uh, you know, what, uh, what, what is the interest of, of, the, of the user, uh, that, that becomes very interesting. So an example, for example, is um, by understanding how people move through a specific VR app Um, we can say for example that okay most of the users are taking this door when they're exiting the first room Uh, but you put a video on the other door so you know you're missing out on so much revenue because people are not actually passing by this ad so using that using you know gaze tracking aggregated through the game we can actually advise the publisher the content creator to change the position of their ads to make sure that they maximize their potential earnings so that's one one way that we're doing this um and i think you know it's it's really again trying to uh, trying to help the developers maximize their revenue
1: you know there's you know, how do you plan to um minimize uh the impact that people you know, when people uh, there's certain people that get this knee-jerk reaction when when they hear the word advertising you know it's sort of like oh it's kind of it's kind of weird you know, because it's it's someone exerting some form of control, behavioral control on you, and it's like weird. Like there's 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 definitely a weirdness sometimes, um, okay. especially when it gets abused. And so and so, how do you plan to sort of um, educate uh, people on on what you what you're doing and and how you're planning to not be that thing that might give them that knee-jerk reaction.
0: Yeah, I think you know that that kind of reaction and the fact that advertising has a bad name is really because it has been abused in the past and most like mostly on the web. I mean, before that, you know, we were skipping the TV commercials or maybe turning off the radio when the ads were coming up, but it was not that intrusive. It was not everywhere and and most importantly, advertising was not really based on users' data. So you're right. You know, we are up against something quite difficult here because of this perception. Uh, but I think that, you know, giving developers the control over this uh, would be one reason and one way to to minimize that disruption and also just showing you know much better formats right now we're talking about banners and videos but that's just the first step that's not what we're passionate about we are passionate about native 3d products that are really fitting within the experience and you know if you don't want to engage with it you want to engage with it so I, i think people will start to change um you know slowly their perception of advertising in virtual and augmented reality because it's just going to be a different model. At least the way that we're doing it ourselves is is going to be very different. So, so that's the first thing. I think better formats, less intrusive, less and less intrusive would be the way to do that. Um, when we first started, we also, you know, of course, we're wondering if what developers think about uh, this kind of model. And I have been a developer myself, for the last four years uh, running a development studio for mobile apps here in, in the UK. And um, and the first thing that, uh, the only thing that I cared about was how is it go affect, going to affect the experience? And, you know, on mobile, you have very little option, but having either a banner at the bottom or uh, in the recent years, it's all about re- rewards. So, you know, you can watch this video and you get extra credits, but it's still, it's, there's a, a lot of adoption for this type of ads, but in my opinion, this is something that doesn't really work when you're fully immersed into an experience. Um, and so, you know, that's how we first run some pilots and uh, ask a lot of developers about it. And so far, I mean, the adoption in the developer community has been has been great because they have the the the, the tools to be able to place these ads themselves and really decide how creative they want to be. Um, And I think that that really makes all the difference.
1: How does um, GDPR, thanks for your answer, by the way, how does GDPR affect your business, if at all?
0: Yeah, uh, good question. So we, of course, spend a lot of time, you know, thinking about that. Uh, But again, one thing that is very important for us from the beginning was that we don't think that personal data in VR and AR is going to be as important, especially in VR, and let me explain why. A lot of the VR experiences that we foresee will be popular in the near future will be shared experience. That means that you and me will be in the same virtual room or virtual stadium or wherever we will share that experience. Um, And so for that very reason, we need to see the same things, right? I can't see an ad for Pepsi while you see an ad for Coca-Cola because the system figured out that, I like Pepsi more than Coca-Cola and you uh, the other way around. That would be weird to see two different things. So imagine if you have 100 people in a room, like, you know, High Fidelity, for example, is a, it's a VR app that we are integrated with, and they're running events that have, you know, hundreds of people joining. So you can't just have 100 different ads serve to all of these individuals because if they start talking about it talking about what they see they will see something different it's just very unnatural and it would be very awkward so for that reason the only targeting that we really see working in vr and also in ar of course uh, is really contextual targeting It's saying okay what is this app about is this a stadium because we are here to see uh you know the the soccer world cup in vr well in that case let's have some ads about sports, or is it a racetrack, or is it just um, you know a high fidelity world where we're going to talk about science? Um, and just by knowing the, 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 what the world is about, the developer, because remember, it's the actual developer that sets those categories, can say, okay, I have a I have a VR app here that is about this topic, so I want the ads to be about this topic. And so how that ties into GDPR is that of course what GDPR is about is preventing um, the processing and the, um, uh, the sharing of uh, users data well we don't actually use users data uh, for targeting because we use contextual data which is what the actual world is about uh, the only data user data that we use is their location uh, not precise at all to the level of the country to make sure that you know if uh, the context is a word about cars for example uh, you get an ad for a a make of a car that you know is sold in your country that's the only thing that we would that we would use but as far as you know the id of your device or what your browsing history has been or um you know what kind of um yeah what, what's your basket, amazon basket at the moment uh all of this stuff you know we don't have access to we don't track it um so in short, GPR is something, of course, that, you know, we wanted to make sure we were compliant, but it hasn't changed much because we were not processing and using much user data anyway.
1: Ah, interesting. All right. Um, so I'm a bit curious about your origin story. Can you, can you dive a little deeper into um, your origin
0: story? Sure, yeah. So uh, I was uh, initially an engineer. I was working in the Formula One industry years ago. Um, that was in 2012, 2013. And back then I started to pay attention to technology a lot and realized that, you know, people were starting to spend a lot of time on their mobile. And this was really when video was really starting to take off. So eventually quit my job, uh, moved down to London where I had very little connections. I put a team together. I wanted to create um, a mobile app studio, developing games or app social networks. Um, and so over the course of four years after that, we've developed various projects. Uh, I guess the most successful one was called Rock Trader. It's a, it was a binary trading game that got featured in CES in 2014 in Las Vegas. Uh, we ended up selling this game. Uh, then we were basically creating pro- pilots of, of projects uh, and then trying to you know spin it into a separate company. So we had a couple of failures as well, stuff that didn't really work out. Um, my last application was an e-commerce game that was gamified. Um, the tech team got acquired after that. So around 2016, I was kind of looking for the next things that I could do. I wanted to do something with, uh, you know, that has more impact than just small project after small project. Um, and through that experience, I mean, one thing that really transpired as I was developing and publishing apps was that it was very hard to actually monetize it. I mentioned that previously there was very little options besides putting a banner at the bottom of my app. Uh, which, you know, my users hated. Of course, I would generate revenue for maybe a couple of weeks. But then it was such a bad experience that people would leave and we have to start all over again. And as far as mobile was concerned, I really didn't crack it. I, I couldn't foresee any other options at the time to do a better job at it. Uh, but when I tried VR for the first time, I remember trying an app. I think it was Face Your Fears, uh, this app that is you know trying to scare you. Um, and they they, I think I was at the top of a building. It was this app where um, eventually they're going to make you fall off the building in VR. And as I was climbing up to the building, I could see the entire city in front of me. And I could see, you know, the top of some buildings with actually fake billboards. And there was this stadium here. And I was thinking, you know, that's it. There is VR gives us so many opportunities to be a lot more creative about advertising because we don't have only that small rectangle of a screen where the only option is really to cram a banner at the bottom purely because the real estate is not there's no other options we can actually be really creative and try to integrate brands with the experience and so that's really how it started it was just a simple idea where i thought we could do better that what we were currently doing on other channels um so you know i was talking to um, my friends about it people that were already in the space um and eventually put a, a small team together uh, we were only two people at the start uh managed to raise you know some money to get that person working full-time we built a prototype uh i was already approaching you know big ad tech players because i had a background in in ad tech working with my previous um projects and um, yeah, it kind of all snowballed from there and eventually um, decided to dedicate my, my entire time to this because, uh, you know, when you start thinking that we're going to move away from the screen, right? We've pretty much um, peaked in terms of the screen technology. There's not, not much more we can do. So it's pretty clear to me and to you as well, of course, um, that, you know, immersive tech is the next interface. But the way that the existing companies are monetizing Uh, such as, you know, Google and Facebook, they're very good at monetizing the screen, but not beyond that. They don't understand how to monetize a world that is in three dimension, um, that is not running off the web, but running off native apps built with Unity, right? They haven't, you know, not saying that they won't, of course, they will move into this, but in 2016, not many people were thinking of that. And so I thought, you know, there is a massive opportunity here, Uh, just like people thought, you know, putting ads on the web was crazy back in 1993, 1994. Um, you know, people had the same reaction. And I thought, okay, this is great. That means that, you know, we're on to something. And we can see already uh, less than two years after, now we have big ad networks that announce, you know, partnership um, with us, which well, the most exciting part, it's, it really puts the medium on the map and tells every advertiser, you know, VR and AR is not just a little creative medium for people to play around and build the next generation of games. This is a genuine, legit channel for you to reach your customers. And I think that is very important. And that is really going to start generating a, a reputable um, flow of, 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 of money for the developers and really push the, whole, the entire industry forward.
1: Very cool. And so what are the biggest challenges you face today?
0: Um, I mean, yeah, I just... As you asked the question, I was thinking of a uh, hundred different things that popped <laughs> up today. But um, uh, I would say, you know, as an advertising company, right, we, we rely on volume, of course, uh, because that's that's how advertising works. And, you know, let's be honest, we know, we're not there yet. The, the industry is, is not mainstream. It's at the very, very, very beginning. Um, so there's not just not enough content whether it's VR and even more AR, actually, uh, although there's a lot more hype around AR, but the content, the actual content that people consume on a daily basis in AR is, is, is very minimal. Uh, so, you know, we have a team of three people We're going after developers and we're trying to help them out, uh, you know, help help them with the marketing of their app, really help them go, uh, you know, besides the product, what can you do to turn this into a business? And that's really um, what we try to do. So we launch what we call the Admix Academy, which is uh, which actually lives as a Facebook group uh, called VR and AR Pioneers, um, which we launched about six weeks ago. That reached uh, 1,700 members, and everyone in there are developing VR and AR content. And the whole angle of this is saying, okay, you guys are super skilled at Unity, Unreal, no doubt about that. But do you know how to market this? Do you know how to turn this into a business? Here is a list of PR resources for you. Here is a list of 50 influencers that, you know, can help you get exposure on YouTube. And of course, you know, here is a solution for you to monetize your content if you want. Um, So that's really the approach. It's been really evangelizing the solution. Um, And it's, uh, of course, a daily challenge because we run into all kinds of questions and, um, you know, the fact that not many people have headsets and the fact that AR is still just at the beginning. But we're very hopeful. I mean, it's isn't this is an industry that has like three years or four years. I mean, look at the smartphone. How how did smartphone look three years after they were invented? Uh, not you know not like the iPhones of today. So it's just the beginning, and uh, we're very very excited about what the future holds.
1: Cool. And so I have to go back to. Uh, um... A question I had earlier. um, So let's say, again, I have a product, I have an MVP or a a, a VR experience that I want to put ads in. Do I
0: get to choose who are my advertisers in this experience? Yeah, you get to choose. uh, You get to choose at the moment mostly categories. um, And eventually we are working towards a more granular choice where you could actually say, you know, I want this to be about food and drinks. I want this to be about sports drinks. And then you can select Red Bull. Uh, At the moment, of course, we don't have, you know, all the advertisers already committed to this. So the choices are restricted. But you're still able to say, you know, you're still able to select categories and say, I want this ad to be entertainment. I want this ad to be food. I want this ad to be business. Uh, And that works really, really well. And that's, you know, all your responsibility as a developer from our platform to select uh, and to make sure that your ads are always relevant.
1: And so, once my ads are up in are are out are out there, um, what sort
0: of support can I expect from from Admix? Oh, um, yeah. So we have uh, you know a, a support team uh, at the moment where normally we don't have to do much. Uh, if you have issues or you know uh, for some reason I don't know you you want to know um you want to you want to deactivate uh one ad and you don't know how to do it uh you know we can easily jump on a call or we have uh we're putting together at the moment a very precise kind of um set of videos that can help you do pretty much everything you need to do um otherwise you know we're always available to to do to, to do more of a hands-on type of management
1: very cool. And so you kind of talked about this a little bit ago um, because you, you mentioned that VR is it's still in the early stage. And so I, I want to know more about what your strategy is um, to stay in this marathon for the long run. Um, how, do you, how will you stay afloat in the coming years as VR grows um, at the rate that it's currently growing? Unless something insane happens and it all of a sudden explodes. <laughs> You know, but but then you know how. But seeing as things are, how would you adapt and strategize?
0: Yeah, sure. So, um, because we integrate at Unity or Unreal level, that means that we can support not only VR and AR, but actually all kinds of uh, 3D content, right? So we we actually support uh, any, pretty much any uh, console games. Uh, you know, 40% of the mobile games are built with Unity. Um, a lot of um, esport properties are starting to be built on Unreal or Unity. And so we are targeting those guys as well. Um, the reason why we predominantly are targeting VR and AR is because we see VR and AR are becoming a lot more than games, of course. Games are just a catalyst Uh, And, you know, if you look at the gaming industry on console, for example, they already have a proven business model, which is selling the games. The gamers are happy to pay $50 or $70 for a game. In VR and AR, we think that the model is going to be a lot closer to what happens on mobile. Where most content is expected to be free, especially the apps that are non-gaming, like entertainment apps or you know social apps, you can't really charge for that. So the developers today have no option, and that's why they're desperate to use a solution like ours, and and why we had you know a lot of really interesting uptake um, in those verticals. So, um, but yeah, to come back to your question, um, targeting non-VR and AR content is one way we aim to stay afloat. And actually working with Yahoo and AOL, we are also able to serve 3D ads on mobile uh, by creating AR experiences. And, you know, AR, everyone today, uh, 400 million people today have an AR device in their pockets. Um, And so although that's, you know, people argue it's not real AR, it's not headsets, um, and that's true, but it's definitely going to be a great Um, a great stepping stone everyone has a mobile everyone supports AR without the need to purchase an extra hardware so as soon as content develops here uh, the uptake is going to be much much quicker because it's just about downloading an app right we've seen that with Pokemon Go which I personally don't consider as AR but you know that's how people see it. And it just shows that one piece of content can literally reach hundreds of millions of people. And so, again, by being integrated with the right studios, even if they're not developing AR at the moment, uh, we want to be there when you know, the content actually get, goes out. So I would say that's really where we see the most immediate growth over the next couple of years will definitely be driven by smartphone AR. No questions about that.
1: Very cool. And so, I want to start bringing things to a close with the last two questions, and one of them being: um, I'm sure you can envision a future where um, things go really, really good, and th- and and it all works out. But I but I also can imagine that you might have also envisioned a future where it doesn't go well. Um, and I and so I and in how I and, and in what way I mean it, it's like a, in the Black Mirror style. <laughs> Where it sort of becomes a system that's dystopian, um, and so how do I? How do we avoid that? How, are you are are you pre- actively cognizant of not becoming a black mirror episode?
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, again, I mean, one of the main reasons we think is by giving, giving, putting controls into the right hands, and you know. If you give controls to the advertisers, of course, they'll go crazy and they will contaminate the content and it's going to be terrible. But at the end of the day, if you tell the developers of content, okay, you know, this is your tool. You place the ads where you want. If you don't want ads, don't put ads. If you want a lot of ads, do it, but know that most likely people are not going to use your app again. So I think that kind of control, although that sounds very, you know, simple and easy, and and maybe naive, I really think that that's a great way to to avoid those kind of problems. Um, The other thing is, I hear a lot of people thinking, well, when we have AR glasses, we might be bombarded with ads, uh, you know, that, you know, like you look at your house and you have these virtual ads on top of the house. But I think it really reflects a a kind of a misunderstanding on how this is going to work. Um, People think that, Advertisers will be able to push ads natively to the device without you having control over it. But AR glasses are just going to work just like, just like a smartphone. You're going to have to start an app uh, in order to consume some content. If there is ads all over this app and there is a virtual billboard on top of your house and you don't like that, then just don't use this app anymore. You know, it's like going on Forbes or other website, which every day looks like they're adding banners and videos. Uh, at the end of the day, people are going to stop going to these to this properties. Um, and I think you know, that's, that's going to be the exact same thing. You always re- remain in control of what you want to consume or not. If for some reason there's too many ads in AR, well, AR won't take off, right? People are not going to put up with it uh, because just, just for the sake of it. I think, um, you know, unless until these technologies really bring a massive advantage, uh, this kind of FOMO experience where people really feel like they need to use it now, uh, you know, we we can definitely not have too many ads or create those kind of extra friction uh, because it's just going to be a really bad idea for the industry. So, you know, that's basically how I think that this kind of dystopian model is not going to happen uh, because simply because it's not really aligned with the interest of, you know, people trying to push the industry forward. I mean, who who would want those kind of models uh, except what, like hackers or something? Uh, I don't know. I just, I just don't really see it working. I mean, I completely agree that we definitely need to be careful, but I still think that, you know, people will always have control. Uh, people might complain about advertising these days, but... I tell you one thing that people hate more than advertising and it's paying for stuff, right? You might complain about the ads and it's annoying, but at the end of the day, every, all this economy is powering free internet, um, free access to information. And I find it amazing when people think, yeah, you know, the value exchange is, is not in our favor. And that's true, there's been a lot of abuse around data, but you still have access to all of this for free and I think that's amazing. And people are very, you know, forget about that very easily. Um, so I think that you know that model is is there to stay, uh, and just um, I don't think it will be. It will, I think you'll always remain in control somehow of the content that that you consume, and that you know if if it get abused, people will stop using it. Uh, I don't think we'll be forced to watch stuff that you know we're not we're not in agreement with.
1: Yeah, I definitely have bipolar sentiments towards um, advertising, digital advertising. On the one hand, it has brought us so much free shit and it's so awesome. It's like, holy crap, like who would pay for all that? You know, it's such a huge value. But at the same time, like you said, it's like it's been abused. And it's been abused. Yeah, abused. And so yeah. um, I want to
0: leave you with this last question.
1: What are your biggest hopes for the future of virtual reality?
0: Um I really want to see virtual reality moving away from, you know, games and being associated as a new console. That that still happens. I really enjoy um, you know, social experiences in VR. I think entertainment sports in VR is going to be amazing and we start to see of course, a lot of those, and I have no doubt that in the future that's going to be the norm. But I wish that you know we could see already more of that, and that the, the headset were also marketed toward those people, uh, because I think the diversity of the content is what is making people thinking, okay, I need this. And right now, every time I speak to someone that is not directly in the industry, they and asking them, you know, do you have a headset? They're like, oh no, I'm I'm not a gamer, I don't play games, uh, you know, and that's partially re- because the marketing is still purely around gaming. And so I hope that over the next you know, few months or few years, uh, we're really going to start to see a shift here because I think that will really help the whole industry and start to bring people with other interests uh, into the headsets. All right. And with those words, I'm going to bring things to a close. Sam, I've conclusively
1: concluded that you, sir, are, are a true scholar and gentleman of virtual reality. How can people stay in touch and follow
0: up with all the things you're doing these days? Thanks, man. Uh, There's a few ways. So you can go to admix.in. That's our website. Uh, And from there, uh, you can join the admix academy, where it's basically, like I said, a Facebook group. So just join the group uh, and you'll be able to see all the stuff that we're up to and get access to free resources to help you um, push your entire VR and AR uh, app and business forward. Awesome. I'll be sure to include all those links in the show
1: notes. Sam, thanks again for your time. It's been awesome. Thanks, Chris.